Buenos dias, and welcome to the 44th ever episode of Any Ideas, the podcast about coming up with a podcast, and the second ever episode of Wiki Wiki What? The podcast where we do claim to be the experts, all thanks to Wikipedia. I'm Mitch Kreitzman alongside my co-host Jordan Kreitzman. Jordan, I had to go back and find the uh, tagline I used for this podcast by briefly listening to the first episode. Um, and it was I wish I could see us. No, no, no. Oh. The, uh, the oh, other the one. Ta- oh, okay. I wish I could so claim random. our podcasts have gotten much better in the last 33 episodes, but no. So we've already jumped the shark. You're saying it's it was already better. <laughs> I'm saying I think we're one of the rare podcasts where the early episodes might have been the good ones. <laughs> so we're we're kind of rolling like a, a TV show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're more like a TV show than a podcast. Well, I can't tell if we're evolving or not. You make a good point, because I seem like, I feel like as podcasts evolve, like, inside jokes form and, like, segments form, and then, like, for us, it's like, uh, (laughs) we just kind of keep doing our thing. (laughs) We continue to establish inside jokes and then abandon them. (laughs) Yeah. They might exist Um, for an episode or two, and then I've forgotten them. (laughs) You know, Jordan, one way we've evolved is that I'm no longer even pretending like anything's going to happen to my office, so I'm just (laughs) recording from the basement. Yeah, you're you're standing in a wet, cold basement right now. (laughs) I'm my laptop is sitting on my workbench, and I'm just standing in front of it talking. Yeah, you don't Um, you don't look comfortable in the slightest, bitch. I'm not. I asked Dustin if I could buy a bar stool for down here. Um, verdict is still out on that, so we'll see. <laughs> a bar. Okay. I literally, I'm literally <laughs> I just asking for a bar stool I don't so I get can sit that, but... in front of the table. <laughs> um, Jordan, do you think anyone out there remembers uh, Wiki Wiki What? Um, your friend Brandon does. <laughs> That's true. Brandon probably remembers Other than Wiki that, Wiki. I'd Wiki say what. no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, no fault. No. Uh. No emails this week. So oh, that's missed, a, missed that's opportunity. Right. Could have. At least we had our one that one time. <laughs> it works. Um, yeah, email works. For those who maybe don't remember Wiki Wiki, what? Basically, the idea of it uh, is that we use uh, Wikipedia's random article generator to learn something new. Um, a couple of uh, ground rules here. If the article that it takes us to is uh, too small, uh, I've decided to change this a little bit. What I've decided okay. to do uh, was that originally it was just if the article's too small, I'll get a new random article. Uh, this time we're only doing one random article. The difference is that if I feel the article's too small, I'm allowed to click one link within the random article generated. And then I have to go off of that if it's too small. I think it's going to backfire so hard, but let's do it. I mean, if, <laughs> if I end up having to backtrack, I will, you know, but Mitch, I don't think that'll be necessary. One positive thing I'll say about us, well, it's really not positive, but I'll just say it. Uh, we care a lot less than we did the first WikiWiki Wiki one. So. <laughs> that is absolutely right. Um, we love establishing rules and then doing very little with them. Yeah, and you... Mitt, you love a good randomizer. <laughs> the audience knows this. You have a love-hate relationship with randomizing things. Yeah, you know what? We claim that there are no inside jokes, but that's certainly one that's of them. That's one of them. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, you love a good random value. 
I mean, Jordan, are you uh, are you ready to see what happens here? Are you ready to see uh, what article comes our way? Yeah. So do you do you want my do you? So we're we're not even linking, right? We're it's just one article. Yeah. So well, so what we're gonna do? Uh, I'll do my random search, and whichever one we end up going with, I'll just tell you what it is so that you can pull it up on your phone. Okay. But and you're right. sure you don't want to do the follow the link and see where the trail leads. Well, no, no. So I think that's allowed. Oh, okay. It's just... Yeah. Uh, okay. So your starting point is... Okay. Yes, correct. I understand. So the starting, the starting point is the random article, and then we go from there. Okay, so you at least have to really talk about the first link you find. in the. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you now. So, uh, All right. Another inside joke. Huh. All right. Um, well, I can let you know right now. Uh, we're, we are going to be going to another link here. <laughs> no surprise. Um, no, it's not surprising, but it's definitely going to take us somewhere good, I think. Well, okay. Um, so, www. .twinkopedia.org. <laughs> yeah, make sure you do uh, .org. Yeah. What, Mitch, what, what's the topic? All right, so it's the art building and annex. Oh, my airy building. Nope. Art, art building and annex. Okay, no yeah. picture, not a good start. Yeah, the art building and annex are buildings on the Portland State University campus in Portland, Oregon, United States. The annex underwent a renovation in 2009, and both buildings have been considered for demolition. That's the article. (laughs) Goodbye. Alternative alternative (laughs) names, art annex, uh, type of building, art building, (laughs) town or city, Portland, Oregon, country, United States, renovated in 2009, and the owner is Portland State University. So, now, Jordan, I think there's two <laughs> solid places we can go from here. Right. Well, three. I'll say that. If we want to go very, very broad, we go right. Portland, Oregon. Right. If we want to go a little less broad, but still pretty broad, we go Portland State University. And Mitch, if we want to get super broad, we click on United States. <laughs> that is, yeah, we could also click on United <laughs> States. I would say... The most specific place we could go from here is, see also, list of Portland State University buildings. <laughs> it's not going to give us much more than what we just did, so I don't no. recommend that you one. You know what? I think Portland State University is the way to go, Mitch. That was what I was thinking, yeah. too. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Is, is there a is there a soundbite for pressing a link? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. All right, so I've already found an interesting fact just off of the first sentence. Um, actually, second sentence, excuse me. Portland State University is a public research university in Portland, Oregon. It was founded in 1946 as a post-secondary educational institution for, for World War II veterans. Hmm. That's interesting, yeah. specifically for veterans. Right. It, it evolved into a four-year college, and over the following two decades, it was granted university status in 1969. It is the only public urban university in the state of Oregon that is located in a large city. It's a very That's specific category. Of course that it is. surprising. <laughs> no. <laughs> it is governed by a board of trustees. Oh. The university is categorized as an R2 doctoral university uh, or an R2DU, you might say. 
Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty good. R2 um, talking DU to me. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> their, ooh, this is a, their motto, let knowledge serve the city. Hmm. I think that's, it's good. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah. It means a their, lot. A, their academic staff uh, includes just under 1,800 for research and instructional faculty and 742 for academic professionals and managers. Uh, I don't know. 3,800 in administrative is. staff and approximately 26,000 students. Okay. That, that, yeah. Pretty good I think size. it's about the same yeah. size as, as UW-Milwaukee, my second school. Uh, let's see. What else we got going on oh, in Mitch here? nickname, Vikings. Are we interested? We get off this page? What's or? that? <laughs> is their nickname are the Vikings. I don't care for that. Oh, so you can click the link for Vikings if no, you want? No, I'm not saying let's do it. I'm saying uh, I don't like this school anymore because they're oh, associated they're with the Vikings. Vikings. Yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't like the there Vikings. That's fair. There are a couple of Packers fans here, Mitch. It's another although inside joke we have. <laughs> although their mascot is Victor E. Viking, which is pretty fun if you Vic- ask me. That actually is. I'm back on board. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Well, what else interesting can we find out about them? They're a Division One school in the Big Sky Conference, so that's oh. something, I guess. Uh, what do they got about student life? Yeah, that's you where know? I was going. They um, have a student-run newspaper at Portland State uh, called the Portland State Vanguard, established in 1946. I just noticed they, they have the same initials as Penn State University, so they oh, yeah. keep saying PSU, and that's throwing me off. We like them more than Penn State. I can say that pretty confidently. Oh, f- from a football standpoint, yes. <laughs> Unless we find a Penn State level scandal within Portland State's Wikipedia, I think I'm gonna <laughs> like Portland State more. You know, I totally forgot about that <laughs> for like a second. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Um, they also have a student-run uh, radio station, KPSU, which is ranked in the top twenty college radio stations. That's pretty good. So that's exciting. Uh, let's see. Ooh, transportation. You know, Jordan, I have elation for transportation, as you <laughs> may remember. This is a good, uh, a good uh, pre-app for. <laughs> Ooh, Jordan, you know, much like uh, much like University of Minnesota, which we attended together. Yeah. Uh, they do have a light rail system that runs through campus. Ah, gotta love that. Those are good. Yeah, it looks nice. These, the pictures make it look nice, Mitch. You know what? I mean, Portland's a nice yeah, they city. Yeah, they're just showing Portland's. <laughs> a nice a nice mid-sized university within a nice city. Yeah. No one's complaining about that. Yeah, it looks great. Let's go to alumni, see if they've got anybody famous. Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, no one. <laughs> no, I, I haven't looked close enough, but so far nothing's popping up. Notable Portland State alumni. Let's see. Courtney Love went to Portland State, Jordan. Oh, really? Yeah. Do we want to go to <laughs> Courtney Love's page, Jordan? I, I honestly don't know how to answer that. <laughs> well, let's let's see what else we find here. Oh, Nancy Wilson of Hart also oh, went to Portland State. Where? Uh, I'm not catching any. Did you scroll down to the end? Yeah, oh. I scrolled down a little further, and they've got like pictures of their most notable. Oh, yeah. The co-founder of Nike is a notable uh, current or former faculty. I can't tell which. Um, wow. So that's interesting. Huh. Let's see. Uh, so 
some people have gone through there. I'm kind of yeah. No, I don't absolutely. know why I'm surprised. I mean, it's a good university. I just I don't know. I didn't <laughs> I didn't expect anyone. <laughs> Uh, one of the guys is a, an animator and the president and CEO of the company Laika, L-A-I-K-A. You know, do you want to learn something new and click on Laika? Yeah, let's do it. All yeah, right. Let's, we we know, we've done episodes on Courtney Love Mitch through one way or another. <laughs> yeah, no, we've been let's, there. We've done that. Where's Laika, let's, though? Where is that on this oh, page? Oh, you know what? I'm already learning something, Jordan. Oh, man, I'm behind on the learning. Oh, God. Leica is an American stop-motion animation studio specializing in feature films, commercial content for all media, music videos, and short films. The studio is best known for its stop-motion feature films, Coraline, Paranorman, The Box Trolls, Kubo and the Two Strings, and Missing Link. (laughs) It is owned by Nike uh, co-founder Phil Knight, who also went to Portland State, um... And it is located in Hillsborough, Oregon, part of the Portland metropolitan area. Knight's son, Travis Knight, who uh, was the impetus for this, acts as Lycus president and CEO. So, a lot to go off of here. Who knew? <laughs> well, Mitch, I, so while you were talking, I had to go find this thing because I couldn't find it from the link. And uh, I noticed that um, uh, Lyca is, um, hold on, I lost it again. Leica is also apparently a Soviet space dog. <laughs> oh, was that the one that went in the first? Uh... Uh, I'm wondering. Let's just let's just click on it, right? Yeah, um, I mean, this is kind oh, of out of bounds, but that's all right. We can take a quick detour. Um, he uh, he was a Soviet space dog. Who Are became you going to tell the first animals in space? What? Yep, I was about to say. Okay. You're going to tell me that Leica died because I'm aware. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just assumed, but um, my understanding is that they didn't they didn't uh, build that shuttle with expectations that Leica was coming back. Well, that's no surprise that they were gonna, especially considering the Russians, they were gonna <laughs> right. No, exactly. Bring a dog home, but yeah, he was the first animal to orbit the Earth. Um, Leica, a stray mongrel from the Straits of Moscow, was oh, selected no. to be the occupant of the Soviet spacecrafts, but they just found a stray dog. And we're like, All uh, right. yeah, I was about to say, they they dog-napped Leica. <laughs> what the hell? You're paving the way for human spaceflight. This dog's a hero, Mitch. And he weighed 11 I mean, pounds. A, agreed, <laughs> but that's not very fair to Leica is all I'm saying. No. Um, uh, let me see. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, you got to say it now. You Leica can't just react and not hours. say it. Like Leica died within hours from overheating, possibly caused by a failure of the central R7 sustainer to separate from the <sighs> payload. The true cause and time of her death were not made public until 2002. <laughs> Why would they hide that? Not until 2002? So <laughs> they knew, but they didn't say until yeah. 2002? That's terrible. Instead, it was widely reported that she died when her oxygen ran out on day six. <laughs> Oh my god. So in other words, they didn't want it to seem like there was an issue with the spacecraft. Or as the Soviet government initially claimed, she was euthanized prior to oxygen depletion. (laughs) I don't like that one. Mitch, Mitch, happy ending. On April eleventh, two thousand eight, Russian officials unveiled a a monument to Laika. (laughs) A small monument in her honor was built near the military research facility in Moscow uh, that prepared Laika's flight to space. It portrayed a you know, dog standing on top of a rocket. You know, Jordan, 
I think uh, every Confederate and Christopher Columbus statue that's currently being torn down should be replaced with famous dogs throughout history. Oh, I love it, Mitch. Who's uh, going to hate on a dog? Nobody. Uh, Leica, my dog Skip, Old Geller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those are famous dogs. Uh, all those dogs that are like... Uh, treat ptsd and whatnot they're they're all great yeah, no for sure there's plenty to go off of there yeah um i feel like i should sway us back to the original Leica. oh sure yeah <laughs> you know that was just that was very interesting no i i agree that was worth discussing okay, for so sure. yeah so i go right below okay now we're at american uh stop motion animation studio yeah so the one thing i found interesting um is that they they have some feature films that they've done um Coraline, Paranorman, Box Trolls, Kubo and the Two Strings, and Missing Link. Um, you know, a lot of those very well reviewed, uh, for sure. Right. Um, then they have some contract works. Um, so basically, since they are experts in stop motion animation, they were paid by other companies to make certain movies. Right. The one that I found interesting uh, was a very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> It yeah. had a budget of nineteen million dollars, uh, grossed thirty six point two million. So that's nice. good. I also see Corpse Bride on here for contract. Yes, work. they also contracted Corpse Bride. You know what's interesting, um, is that a very Harold and Kumar three D Christmas has sixty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes and sixty one on Metacritic. Better and than I would have expected, Mitch. And it's also a link. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one? A very Harold and Kumar. 3D oh, absolutely. Christmas. That's that's where I was that's going. That's where we're with going. This. Okay, click for sure. <laughs> or... Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You gotcha. Um, let's see what we've got here. A 2011 American 3D stoner comedy film directed by Todd Strauss Schulson, written by John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg. A lot of names here. And starring John Cho, Cal Penn, and of course, Neil Patrick Harris. I believe as himself, if uh, yeah, he was, he's playing um, gay for them boobs or something. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> Very bizarre movie. Or was he in Escape from Guantanamo Bay? I truly don't remember. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris? Yeah. He was in the like original, I think. He was, okay. Yeah, like so before he's he playing... was... Yeah, like before he was on How I Met Your Mother and stuff. That's like that. right. Yes. So he's probably playing himself again. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I had to, if I had to guess, let's see. Some of the people in this, outside of those three, include Daniel Harris, Paul Garcet, Danny Trejo, uh, Amir Blumenfeld, and Thomas Lennon. Oh, Tom Lennon, right? Yeah, so, from uh, Reno Nine One One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see what else we got here. New Line Reci- Cinema, Mitch. Not exciting. Yeah, just ma- I noticed. Made by New Line. <laughs> Um, hmm, where do we want to go from reception? Here? Right, you had said it actually did all right, huh? It did, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mitch, it opened at third place behind Puss in Boots and Tower Heist. I mean, th- those are two hard movies to go. <laughs> Fun <guess>. fact, <laughs> uh, I saw Tower Heist in the theater by myself. Yeah, that was one of your weirder moments that <laughs> you. <laughs> went to go see that movie by yourself. Yeah, no, no. I, I'm very much a proponent of going to the movies by yourself. I think if you want to really take in a movie, that's the way to do that it. I but that it. was a weird choice. I'll that, well, admit that. Yeah, it's ha- you were in high school, right? I was, yeah. Okay. So, so I, I couldn't see an R- I couldn't go see an R-rated movie. Right. But I, I so get I was the, like, there's Tower Heist. I get the watch a movie alone thing. Like, there's really no point. 
Like people are like, do dinner in a movie for a first date? Why? Right. Why? You're not going to talk to them at yeah, all. Yeah, and then and then dinner? <laughs> it they're going to see how you eat. <laughs> but that's for another story. <laughs> but but the movie thing in particular, I mean, yeah, it's it's totally fine by yourself. You're not talking to the person. It just doesn't make now, sense. Jordan, you do remember that Cal Penn did take a job within the Obama administration. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. Was that why he left House? Do you remember? Um, that was my theory, at least. Right. So here, here's what they mentioned about it as far as the the production of the movie. In April 2009, Cal Penn accepted the position of associate director of the White House Office of Public Liaison in the Obama administration. When asked if his new job would mean no more Harold and Kumar movies, he responded, "That's probably true for now." <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can. I don't think you can work in the White House and make a movie like that. Jordan, are we curious what the Office of Public Liaison is, or should we find something more interesting? Where is that, Mitch? Is that in? Uh... It's under production. Under production. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's do it. No rules, All right? right. <laughs> yeah, no rules. That's that's how we do this. Like I said, we Let's don't see. care as much this time around. That's very true. The Office of Public Liaison is a unit of the White House office within the Executive Office of the President of the United States. Under the administration of President Obama, it was called the White House Office of Public Engagement and Intergovernmental Affairs. President Trump restored the prior name and created an office, a separate office of, of intergovernmental affairs. Um, so what is it? Tongue ties, Mitch. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't really say much about what it is. Oh, here we go. Okay. This makes sense. The Office of Public Liaison has been responsible for communicating and interacting with various interest groups. Uh, under President Richard Nixon, Charles Colson performed public liaison work. Um, so let's see. Still isn't saying much. <laughs> no. I, they talk to people who have interests. Yeah. Well, so I think so when it was renamed the Office of Public Engagement um under the Obama administration, the Office of Public Engagement had been referred to as the front door to the White House through which everyone can participate and inform the work of the president. So that makes a little more sense, right? Okay. It's the office of how they engage with the public. Um so in April 2009, actor Cal Penn was named an associate director ah. in the Office of Public Engagement. His role was said to include outreach to the Asian American and Pacific Islander communities and the arts community. Read the next read the next sentence there, Mitch. Yep, I was just going to say, <laughs> prior to the appointment, he was a permanent cast member in the television series House, and his acceptance required him to be written out of the series. And you know boy, did they write him out of the series. Yeah. You know what's funny is they don't mention that he committed suicide <laughs> yeah. in the show. <laughs> really God, messed everyone up, They a better way too. to write him out? It's terrible. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, that was, um, oof. I, yeah, anyway. <laughs> do we want to see if we, uh, no, I was just going to say, I was, looking, I was looking through these names, I was going to say, do we want to see if we recognize any of them? I certainly do No, I, and I, I suggest we try and get out before we go down the long path of government entities. Um, what about the White House Jewish liaison? That's a related article. Wait, where is that? Is that uh, if you scroll down to the very bottom and go to related articles, uh, external links? Oh, no, even right below that. I don't have that one. Oh well, it pops up as one of my related huh, articles. Okay. 
that's, that's not that doesn't quite <laughs> count though because it's not a link within there um let's see oh you know what jordan <laughs> there's a link for 1976 <laughs> do it <laughs> let's do that <laughs> Oh, man. It's specific to the 1976 United States presidential election. Oh, we should I didn't have. want this at all. Oh, you know, when I just Googled 1976, um, I think it's it's actually getting into the year, I think. So <laughs> I'll just say, so 1976 was a leap year starting on oh. Thursday of the Gregorian calendar, the 1900th and 76th year of the common era known as CE and Anno Domini AD designations, the 976th year of the second millennium, the 76th year of the 20th century, and the seventh year of the 1970s decade. Well, this is a we got, lot. I'm glad we got that out. Um, <laughs> In case you didn't know, audience. <laughs> uh, 1976 was the bicentennial. Does it mention that at all? I would think that would have been right up at the front, right? Oh, it, Mitch, it goes month by month. <laughs> It's, it's, you know, we got we to gotta find something to get to here we while we still can. <laughs> Mitch, the first commercially developed supercomputer is released January. Oh, wow. January of 1976. Jordan, I do want to mention something interesting here that I found from the 1976 uh, American uh, presidential election. Sure. And something that I think we can actually click to. Um one of the third-party candidates that ran was Frank Ziedler. Now, you may be asking me, who is that? Sounds familiar. And I'm going to tell you. Former mayor of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, ran as the nominee of Socialist Party USA, which was founded in a split with the Socialist Party of America. You know, uh, remember that joke in Wayne's World where Alice Cooper knows a ton of facts about Milwaukee, and he mentions that we've had three socialist mayors? Yeah. Apparently, this was one of them. <laughs> Do we want to go to Frank Ziedler's Wikipedia to see if there are any fun facts about him, uh, Jordan? Sure. I'm up, all right. I'm up for it. Yeah, let's do it. Well, first of all, he's a Poindexter, so oh, you can he get, a, he's a total take that in. Is it, wait, is oh, it yeah. Ziedler? It's spelled yeah, Z-E-I-D-L-E-R. Oof. Yeah, he looks, like a, he looks like a gynecologist from the 50s. Not quite sure <laughs> how I'm supposed to. Uh, what I mean by that, I just, I don't know. I'm creeped out by him. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't like that. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, born in 1912 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, died in 2006 at age 93. Also in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wow. So apparently he was living here when he died. He was he was hell-bent on changing the city, Mitch. <laughs> he was succeeded by Henry W. Meyer. Um, Jordan, the Summerfest Fairgrounds, named after Henry right. W. Meyer. Right. Because he must have been mayor of Milwaukee when Summerfest started. That's Fascinating. Right. Yeah. Let's, Let's see. see. What else we got here? Um... This is only a sort of fun fact. Ziedler's daughter, Jean Ziedler, served as mayor of Williamsburg, Virginia from 1998 until 2010 when she retired. Was she a socialist mayor? I assume, but it doesn't say. Yeah, she doesn't have a link. <laughs> yeah. <That's, it's, laughs> just when you it, want one, right? It is weird that it has its own section, <laughs> yeah. but not a link. <laughs> um, oh, Mitch, he received an honorary doctorate from the your alma mater in 1958. 
Hey, how about that? <laughs> what else we got here? Uh, Early life. He studied at both the University of Chicago and Marquette University, but was never able to graduate due to ill health. What does that mean? He looks sickly. He does look sickly. That's sickly. a very good point. Yeah, it doesn't get much sun, I don't think. He became a socialist because of socialism's emphasis on peace and improving the conditions for workers. Hey. Sure. I like that. <laughs> no, no complaints here. Um, so far, so good. See. Yeah. <laughs> Seems all right to me. You know, Jordan... I'm seeing something very interesting here. Well, not very interesting, but something that I feel we should definitely click on. Ziedler became an active member of the Young People's Socialist League, the youth branch of the Socialist Party of America, and he later became the leader of the Milwaukee branch of the Red Falcons during the 1930s. You know, Jordan, I'm very curious as to what the Red Falcons are. Is that a, is, is that a, a link? It's under early life and career, right before elections. Oh, here we go. Red Falcons. Falcons, Yeah, right? (laughs) I'm curious. Might as well get a little history lesson here, right? Let's see. Red Falcons was the name of various socialist children's organizations. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds... Oh, no. Oh, no. The origin of the name is unclear. One possible explanation is that the falcon is a bird of prey with no imperial links. The eagle was the symbol of the German Empire, adopted later by the Nazis. Ah. Uh-oh. <laughs> what are we going down? <laughs> um, yeah. Let's see if there's something we can click on um, real quick in here. You know, it gets very in-depth on just the structure of this uh, child's organization. <laughs> it is also very interesting that it's specifically a children's organization. Y- um, yeah, that... I don't like that either. <laughs> I'm going to just go ahead and click the back button on my browser. I'm going to go ahead and say that that's allowed. Yeah. Um, you get one, so back, yeah. one back per at Mitch. <laughs> oh, Jordan, here we go. Um, Ziedler was Milwaukee's third socialist mayor after uh, Emil Seidel from 1910 to 1912 and Daniel Hone from 1916 to 1940. Hmm. Interesting thing about uh, Daniel Hone, Jordan, is that the Hone Bridge, famous Hone Bridge in Milwaukee, is named after him. Oh. Uh, yeah. You know the Hone Bridge, right? No. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's too bad it's not in here for us to click on. I knew Meyer, but yeah. Don't remember yeah, that, that, but that's, that's all right. <laughs> if you looked up the Hone Bridge, you would recognize it. It's, I'm sure. Uh, it's that yellow one that's got like the... Oh, it's it got like this. the road on it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cars go by to yeah, get over understand. a body of water? I understand now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you do. You get it. Uh, let's see. Mitch, we've gone down some weird paths today. Um, <laughs> you have another one for me? <laughs> No, I'm just remembering the first episode. We were going down a bit of a more whimsical path, if I recall, right? Uh, That's true. This one's not quite as whimsical. This one is gone. (laughs) I'm trying to trying to find a word. Some whimsy in this article about Frank Ziegler. Yeah, what? Is there uh, any whimsy to be found? Milwaukee Public Library. (laughs) Oh yeah, Milwaukee Public Library. That'd be fun. Click on it. All right, let's do it. (laughs) Let's see. Got out of it. Where are you? There you are. Milwaukee Public Library, established in 1878 with 14 branches. Wow. Wow. 
Oh, they have a nice, uh, nice picture of the Milwaukee Central Library. It's very nice. It is very nice. Yeah. It was designated a Milwaukee landmark in 1969. Wow. They've been covered for a while. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, apparently, they uh, they sponsored a lecture series with such important speakers as Horace Mann, Horace Greeley, and Ralph Waldo Emerson. You can't have more than one Horace. I mean, what's Come their on. infatuation with Horace? Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm only that's infatuated weird. with one Horace, Mitch. Horace Grant. <laughs> I have to agree. <laughs> Bull center. Or power forward, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Nah, no, you gotta love Horace Grant. No, no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, he was, um, he was, he was not happy with uh, that documentary. I don't know if you saw any of his words after. I, I don't think I did. What did he say? Um, it, <coughs> sorry, it had to do with um, just the fact that everything was kind of slanted in Michael Jordan's favor. I think there's something in particular that he brought up that I can't remember now. I think. It had to do something like, I could be wrong on this, but I know there was a story about like Horace Grant played bad in a game and Michael Jordan like told the flight attendant on the flight home, don't serve him food. <laughs> and, oh my God. And Horace Grant, like I, if this is, if I'm remembering correctly, he was like, after that came out or something, he was like, he's like, no, no, no. I, <laughs> I would have beat the crap out of Michael. He's just like, I don't, I don't take that kind of garbage. He, he was like real angry that that was like, he was made like a fool, right. like he would just take that. So I feel like Horace Grant strikes me as someone that just like didn't take Michael Jordan's crap. So like, oh yeah, for sure, yeah. But I I hope I'm remembering that right. Someone was allegedly denied food on an airplane from <laughs> this is all very alleged. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, I mean, I don't know where we go from Mitch, here. There Jordan. aren't any good links on here. We're no, there's not a lot interesting within the, the Milwaukee Public Library, which is quite surprising. Um, Mitch, let, let's just click on one of these horses. Maybe something happens. All right, first or second. Horace Mann or Horace Greeley? Let's go Horace Greeley. Oh, that's a more yeah, fun name. That's what I was thinking too, because Horace Mann does sound familiar. Oh man, is he ugly? Oh my god, <laughs> that is one ugly gentleman. His eyes look like they're looking in about eight different directions. <laughs> Oh goodness! <laughs> he looks like a he looks like a Ben Franklin wannabe that didn't quite get it right. He looks like a Frank Barone who touched that static ball at the Science Museum. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's very accurate. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on with that face. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, but Mitch, let's see he, what he let's see what he did. I guess yeah, I think um, he tried to. Well, look, long active in politics, he served briefly as a congressman in New York and was the unsuccessful candidate of the new Liberal Republican Party in the eighteen seventy two presidential election against incumbent President Ulysses S. Grant, who won by a landslide. <laughs> poor, poor Horace Greeley. Oh boy! No one wanted your ugly ass. People in the wanted Oval a, a war hero. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Not a um, yeah. <laughs> Um, they have a signature shown here. That's funny. I saw that. That that's very weird. You um, know, Jordan, uh, liberal Republican parties aw- awfully funny to hear in 2020 America. It's quite the oxymoron. Should we click on that? <laughs> what no. does that even mean? <laughs> okay, <laughs> we we gotta get we, we gotta, gotta get, get back into an area yeah, of whimsy is, uh, here. This is becoming too much. 
<laughs> find something. Civil War is not going to do it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, how ugly he is is certainly helpful. That's get that got us somewhere. Um, <laughs> Too bad ugly wasn't a link on here. I mean, God, if I could just find like beach ball or something, give me, <laughs> give me. I'm right. literally just searching for. Easy he popularized words. the slogan "Go West, young man, and grow up with the country." He endlessly promoted utopian reforms such as socialism, vegetarianism, ag- agrarianism, feminism, and temperance, while hiring the best talent he could find. You know what, Horace Greeley, you're you're all right in my book, Mitch. He says, um, "I just." Was scrolling down and I found this. So Greeley was one of the best-known Americans as well as being a perennial candidate for office. He was more minded to consider a run for the Republican nomination, fearing the effect on the Tribune should he bolt the party. Nevertheless, he wanted to be president as a Republican if possible, if not as a liberal Republican. So, Mitch, he sounds like the Ralph Nader of his generation. <laughs> That's true. He's a bit of a Ralph Nader. Inventing seatbelts and stuff. <laughs> um, whatever the seatbelt oh, was at the time. Maybe this will take us somewhere uh, whimsical. At the recommendation of a family physician, Greeley was sent to the Choti House? I don't know. The asylum of Dr. George Toti at Pleasantville, New York. Do you want to click on the link for Pleasantville, New York? Sure. I mean, sounds happy. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. All right, here we go. All right. It's a village in the town of Mount Pleasant in Westchester County, 30 miles north of Manhattan. The village was populated at 7,019 at the 2010 census. That's very tiny. So it sounds like a nice little town. Uh, Let's see who we've got for notable people, Jordan. That's always a good place to go. Um, Not looking Oh, Jordan, I think I've got our place here. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not super whimsical, but boy, is it right up our alley. So just a few things I'll mention before I get to this. Um, John Emery Andrus, politician, Matt Ballinger, singer in the pop band Dream Street, Dave Barry, humorist and author, uh, Terry George, Irish screenwriter, Douglas Kennedy, famous journalist. Uh, Lots of names here, Jordan. But there's real... Oh, Deion Sanders. Yeah, I thought that's where you were going. (laughs) That was... No, Tina Turner, (laughs) also very surprising. No, none of those is where I was going. Okay. Uh, Where I was going was Chips, the most decorated war dog of World War II. <laughs> yes. Uh, I would love to continue our path down famous dogs, Mitch. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Chips, I need to know more about you. Oh, oh there's not a picture of Chips? Oh, my God. Oh, come on. Also, are there more dogs? Oh, there's more dogs in the there's sea also. F- <laughs> wow. Maybe we should just go down to those dogs. Well, let's see what we know about Chips here. Uh, Alive from 1940 to 1946. Not very old. I'll say that. A trained sentry dog for the United States Army and uh, reputedly the most decorated war dog of World War II. I thought they were saying the most decorated living thing in World War II. (laughs) Chips was a German Shepherd Collie Siberian Husky mix. Uh, during the war, private citizens like Wren, who was uh, his owner, donated their dogs for duty. What the hell, Edward Wren? You donated chips to the war Which effort? Everyone was so on the war effort back then. They were that giving seems, away their okay, dogs. Okay, I'm sorry, but that seems awfully crazy if to me. If it meant me. they didn't have to go to war, Mitch. <laughs> 
I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. I'll for give his up actions, old chips. for his actions during the war, he was awarded the Distinguished Service Cross, Silver Star, and Purple Heart. However, these awards were later revo- uh, revoked due to an army policy preventing official commendation of animals. Why on earth That's would the U.S. Army put that in place? That is, yeah. Why would that ever go into writing? <laughs> exactly. His unit unofficially awarded him a theater ribbon with an arrowhead for an assault landing and battle stars for each of his eight campaigns. Jordan, he was in eight campaigns. This guy's the Rambo of dogs, Mitch. Chips was discharged in December 1945 and returned <laughs> to the Wren family. Did they even want him back? I think they expected him to die in the war. Yeah, they just assumed he wasn't going to follow orders that well right no exactly did they made a disney movie out of it. i was just about to say in 1990 disney made a tv movie based on his life entitled chips the war dog no they weren't too uh innovative with that title were they no they weren't but that's all right um i mean if we went to the most decorated dog of world war ii jordan we're gonna go to the, end, the why not end today's <laughs> wikipedia journey on the most decorated war yeah. dog of world war one i think you mean sergeant stubby <laughs> <laughs> oh my god sergeant stubby a boston bull terrier oh, a the most decorated war dog of world war one oh hell yeah sergeant stubby oh uh, he's he's ready to take down some uh he, he was a sergeant <laughs> right. wow that he was governing men he was yeah, no, he was great. leading men into battle <laughs> Yeah, he, Stubby has been called the most decorated war dog of World War One, and the only dog to be nominated for rank and then promoted to sergeant through combat. That's insane. He saved his regiment Wait. from surprise mustard gas attacks. Hang on. Th- Even more insane, Stubby's remains are in the Smithsonian. <laughs> Please continue with what you were saying. Uh, he... So he saved his regiment from surprise mustard gas attacks, found and comforted the wounded, and allegedly once caught a German soldier soldier by the seat of his pants, holding him there until American soldiers found him. That is absolutely excellent. Mitch, I'd rather see his remains at the Smithsonian at this point than, like, uh, the space shuttle. <laughs> yeah, I, fair. I also, he lived to be, sick, he lived to be uh, 10 years old. Gotta love that. That's not bad. No, that's not bad that's at not all. That's not bad at all for, for a small, old war dog. Little, he, old he, man war dog. He met three presidents. <laughs> that's incredible. There was, also, there was also a movie made about him in 2018. Sergeant Stubby, an American Hero, is an animated feature-length film based on the life and times of Stubby. Jordan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? <laughs> the American Dream, the life and times of Sergeant Stubby. <laughs> Yeah, can that? Do we make pilots out of pilots now? Uh, we can consider it certainly. Um, <laughs> Put up to a vote at least. Theatrically yeah. released on April thirteenth, twenty eighteen. The film features the voices of Logan Lerman, Helena Bottom Carter, and Gerard Depardieu, with music by Academy Award nominee Patrick Doyle. Um, received high marks from film critics and officially endorsed by several high-profile institutions, including <laughs> the Humane Society of the United States, the Armed Services YMCA, and the Westminster Kennel Club. 
Unfortunately, the film's yeah. nationwide release coincided with <laughs> studio tentpoles, Avengers Infinity War, and Rampage, as well as the expansion of Wes Anderson's critically acclaimed animated dog movie, I Love Dogs. How could they have opened, released that movie at a worse time? It wasn't even the most popular animated dog <laughs> movie when it came out. Let's release this when Wes Anderson's doing the same thing. I mean, look, 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was, by all accounts, a good movie. That's a I, fresh But I've never watch. heard of it. Yeah, that's... It's unfortunate that whoever released that movie was um, not not super bright. Now, despite the theatrical setback, Jordan, uh, Sergeant Stubby has been released in over two dozen countries and picked up festival awards in Australia, France, Spain, and the United Kingdom. And in December of 2018, Sergeant Stubby was acquired for home media distribution by Paramount Pictures. Now, here's where it gets interesting. In November 2019, Fun Academy, whoever that is, announced a new subscription-based fan club, The Stubby Squad, which (laughs) offers members-only video programming, downloadable activities, and a crowdfunding element to help develop future Stubby products. This sounds like a birthday boy sketch. (laughs) Yes, it absolutely does. Um, You know, Jordan... We've had a lot of fun here today. Um, but we've never had this much fun as we're having right this second about No, absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> we started with the Art and Annex building in Portland State University <laughs> and ended with Sergeant Stubby, the most decorated dog of World War One. Yeah, that, Mitch, that's that's what I like about this, because this is, is this only the second, other than the ones that we had, like, uh, we had Star Wars Month and then we had... Um, uh, Say, oh, God, any, put any person with any person. Right, whatever. of course. Other than those, the only other pilot that we've done more than once is That's Amore, right? Correct. Which I can only assume is a fan favorite. <laughs> um, I, I have no reason to assume otherwise, so yeah. No one's told me it's not, so that's what yeah, I'm exactly. is. So th- this element right here is what I love about Wiki Wiki What, though, Mitch, is I love to see where it starts and where it ends. <laughs> That's exactly right. And um, um, I don't necessarily even care about the journey. I just want to see where it starts. And yeah, where it this is one of those cases where it's more about the destination, I think. Yeah, because we normally stop on a good note because we, we have the authority to keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was the perfect place to stop. Yeah. I Talking about the stubby squad and that's that. just stop the podcast entirely. This just... This is, I, that, I mean, <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very close to just saying either we're done... Or the Sergeant, this is the podcast now. <laughs> the Sergeant Stubby just saying the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, perhaps we just come. Uh, we're the official podcast of the Stubby Squad now. Maybe um, a lot of places we can go from here, Jordan. Um, <laughs> look, I'm just saying we definitely need. I think we need this to continue. This was this was the kind of joy that we need in our lives. Oh yeah, quite frankly. Um, yeah. So, you know, hopefully we get the support that's needed for this. Um, I mean, that said, you know, in the meantime, yeah, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts and, and tell your friends about us. Um, if you have friends that like one good podcast every, you know, 10 episodes, send them <laughs> our way. Yeah, just skip um, the, all the bad ones. That's not that difficult. Yeah, exactly. We cover so many different things. You listen to all of your podcasts every week. I doubt it. Yeah, that's um, that's dumb. You, yeah, exactly. We, that that's our thing, Mitch. We 
it's not like we have a topic and then we only get a select audience, but they listen every week. We have all different topics, so we get everyone, but they only listen on certain weeks. Right, no, exactly. But advertisers, I think, would prefer that. I think so, too. Because at one point or another, we're attracting everyone. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so That's all that really matters, If you're out right? there, I don't know, <laughs> bounty. That's how... <laughs> That's how bad we are getting advertisers. Jordan ba- doesn't even know who advertises on podcasts. The bounty towels? Yeah, I don't think so. Squarespace um, is one, probably, right? Squarespace, Me Undies, MeUndies. HelloFresh, um, Clorox wipes, Legal Zoom. I'm, I'm clearly just thinking of Target items. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, are you sure you're not just looking at things in your basement and yeah. shouting them out? Yeah, well, you, you caught me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jordan, we also need uh, engagement on social media. We we know this at this point. Um, we're at Any Ideas Podcast on Twitter. Um, Any Ideas on Facebook and the Any Ideas Pod at gmail.com. I promise you the offer still stands. Anything you want to send us via email, we will read verbatim on the air. No hesitation. Um, well, I'll tell you what, theme... too, Mitch. Let's, oh, how go about, ahead. How about this week? Because, um, yeah, we're not great at social media engagement, but part of that is um, no one ever talks to us in social media. <laughs> Correct. And it can get discouraging. So let's put the same basic idea out there for the email as we do for the Facebook um, we will release this week, um, like we do every few weeks, an advertisement for the current week's episode. Uh, first three people to comment, we'll say verbatim on the air, um, barring hate speech or really just hate speech. I, <laughs> I, I, Jordan, I absolutely agree. The first three people to comment on the Facebook post this week, we will say whatever your comment was verbatim. Yes, even if it that denigrates us. Um we're fine with it. So, uh, Jordan, the theme this week, which I'm sure you'll remember from our last version of this, is uh, Rocket by Herbie Hancock. Um, nope, forgot that. <laughs> yeah, no, I had to look it up because I also forgot. Um, until next week, remember uh, to always cite your sources, unless that source is Wikipedia. This has been a Kermit the Prague production.